I want to ask us a question today. And that is, what more pertinent question can be asked of a Christian than, do you love me? Do you love me? And I think we often can treat love, uh, you can picture of that uh, young man or young lady just pulling petals off a flower. You love me, you love me not, and if it doesn't end where you want, you grab another flower (laughs) and you keep going. But we can often treat our relationship with God like that. It's a good day, things are going well, they gave me a million dollars, I got a new car, everyone loves me, God must love me. Man, you praying that one in, anybody? (laughs) Pull the flower petal. Next. It's a bad day, things are not going well, my dog died, my house burnt down, my car randomly blew up with the box of donuts I just bought. God hates me. (laughs) Pull the flower petal. And so on and so on. But we often forget that I am persuaded. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which ends in Christ Jesus. Amen. Man, Scripture's good. Nothing can separate us from the love of God outside of our own choice to be separated. And as young people, we're often taught to believe that love is a feeling that can pass away like a flower petal in the breeze, or it's found in the way we look, or a moment of uncontrolled passion. And we can often transfer that thought without even thinking to all the relationships around us, to the Lord, to to people, to to anything, as if God would change his mind about us on any given day. And as if the way we feel changes anything about the way God feels. It doesn't. Or if the way we feel changes anything about the way we are supposed to love God. Does anyone sometimes get stuck in that? I get stuck in that sometimes, the way I feel. But whether it be the relationship with the Lord or people or the way we even view ourselves, I think we often forget what love is supposed to be. And don't get me wrong, I do not claim to be a love expert or a love doctor. You can ask my wife. I am not saying that. So I will refer to the Bible as we start our journey. In 1 Corinthians 13, that classic passage of what love is, I'm going to speak it out, but I want you to think about it as we go through it. That love suffers long, or it is patient, it is kind. Love does not envy, does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, is not provoked, does not seek its own, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. Hmm. Some people got that. But I want to remind remind us this morning that that is not a fairy tale love. 
It's actually the standard. It's the standard of love. It describes who the Lord is and how he loves. And it also describes how we're supposed to love. So if anyone needs to elbow their partner right now, it's a great moment. And just tell them, you better be listening because Pastor B preaching. It's a great night. You don't want to miss our life groups after this message. If you need someone else to learn how to love better, take them to life groups tonight. But this morning, I want to ask ourselves the question, do you love me? And I want to look at that in three different perspectives. We know that love uh, is what it is and what it does by the standard God placed in the Bible for the passages we just read. So there's no question there. But the question is, how do we live up to that standard? How do we live up to that standard? And I'll be the first to say, I do not always love the way I should. And that's not a secret. You could ask my wife or my family. But I will fail you at some point. As a pastor, as a friend, whatever it is. And it's in that moment I need you to love me. The first of our questions of do you love me is from the Lord. If the Lord came to you right now, picture this. Time froze, everyone else is just there. And he's speaking directly to you. And he looks into your eyes. And in his eyes you see the vast love that created the universe and then took every detail and created you. And he asks you, do you love me? Do you love me? What do you say? My first failing thought, I think, would be to answer with what I have tried to serve the Lord with. It's probably just where I would go first. Like, I've done this, I've done this, scrambling, probably not even be able to, to get words out of my mouth through the tears of my own sin in the presence of the holy God. But what do I say? The true question here is, how do I love God? How do I love God? How do I measure that? Our Lord Jesus actually asks Peter this question in our main passage of today in John chapter 21. We'll be in and out of there. You're welcome to turn there. John chapter 21, verses 15 through 22. And it says, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And he said a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? I'm going to stop right there. Sometimes we can get grieved at the Lord because the Lord wants to work on those things that we need to be worked on. 
But Peter said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And I want to key in on verse 18 here where it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. You see, the measure of our love for God is found in the statement, follow me. For some, that can be to thousands of people in meetings across the world. For others, that can be in a small town where you are meant to be Jesus to just a few people for your entire life. But for all of us, like Peter, it is unto death. Our love for God, our obedience is unto death because it's in that moment where we have completed a life of giving glory to God, a life of it. Love is found in obedience. John 14, 15, it says, if you love me, obey my commandments. And that sounds so simple, but I feel like I struggle with that. Maybe you guys are perfect and you can obey everything that the Lord says. If so, I'd like to talk to you after church. You must have some incredible secret. But, you know, it's not from my lack of trying. But in the trying is actually my failure and in my own self-righteousness. Because I often base things on what I can do or achieve instead of out of love. Is anyone else like that? As people, we like to know what we're supposed to do. Like, I really just, just tell me, and I will do it, I will get it done. But that is not always based in love. We can, we can train or tell a robot to do something, and it will never love us. Watch this. I can do everything that my wife tells me. Not that I will, probably. <laughs> but if it's not out of love, then I'm not doing it with the right heart. I can do things without loving someone. I can do things without loving the Lord. What is based in love is having a personal relationship with someone. It's easy to know what my wife wants when I'm walking together with her. We are in a store, and she regularly points out and says, I want that. <laughs> and I try to keep her moving, because we can spend a long time in every store. But it's easier when she just tells me what she wants right next to me as opposed to her telling me to get something and then returning it because I got the wrong thing. And the other husband's in this house. <laughs> Amen. Well, you know, probably a couple months ago, my wife needed contact solution. And I don't wear glasses or contacts, thank the Lord. But I was at Costco. And I was thinking, I'll get contact solution. So I went and grabbed some, put it in the basket, brought it home. I grabbed the wrong thing. If she would have used that, it would have burned her eyes. <laughs> so now it sits for probably several years, this large thing of contact cleaner. 
And then I get sent to Target. And I spend like 15 minutes trying to think, what does she actually want? And I'm talking to people there. And I'm calling her. And I'm still just staring blankly. I think they're out of what she actually wants. And I don't know what replaces that. But it's easier if she's just with me. And that is our relationship with the Lord. See, the only way to truly love God, to truly obey Him, is to walk with Him. And this is the measurement, your willingness to walk with and listen to the Holy Spirit. Every moment. Every moment. I think God sometimes or often calls us and tells us what we want to do because He'd rather walk with us, but we have our phone on silent. The Holy Spirit will lead you to all things, and he will teach you in his word all things. So here's our question. Do we walk with God, or do we have a list of things to do? And I was dwelling on some of this, and I was also dwelling on just the ability to overcome sin, my own ability to overcome sin, which does anyone else struggle with sin? It's very quiet. We all struggle with sin. In case you didn't know that, the person next to you, believe it or not, struggles with sin. And then you have statements in the Bible like, whoever abides in him does not sin. And I don't know about you, but I struggle with the first thought of that. Does not sin. Who can do that? But when you realize what is being said there, It means this, if you walk with God and abide with him, if he's next to you, you won't sin because you're with him. It's like like when a younger person is with their parents, they're a lot less stupid. (laughs) Amen? (laughs) Amen. I think, man, that was Kim Welch. I can hear that voice. (laughs) The only answer to overcoming temptation is to not walk in your own power. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, will walk with you to overcome temptation. And that means for me that when I start to struggle, I need to realize that I'm not close enough to the Lord in that moment. So when I'm struggling, I can either keep struggling and go down that path, or I can choose to realize i got to dig deeper. I don't think I'll ever reach a place where I will be sinless in this life. But my motivation is based in love for God, not what I can do or have to do, but it's me walking with him and what I want to do. And I will never be strong enough or good enough to achieve perfection, but the more you love someone, the more time you spend with them. And the more time you spend with the Lord, the more you want what he wants. And that's just not, that's not just overcoming temptation. That is walking out what God has planned and stored for your life. I was just on a a trip with my family and I spent almost every moment with my wife. 
for a couple weeks, and she's probably the only person in this world that can stand me that long. Thank the Lord that she loves me. (laughs) You know what? I really like just being with her. I like spending time with her. And that's where we need to get with to the Lord. I really just like spending time with him. I really like walking with him. I really like that he he talks to me. And he shares things with me. And he has plans for me. I really like the Lord. He's a really good friend. In our passage, there are, are several words used when Jesus is speaking to Peter for the word love. In the the original translation, many many of you have heard messages on this throughout your life. I know I have. But they're ranging from friendship love to uh, what I would categorize as a life-giving sacrificial love. And I want you to notice this. I can be friends with my wife, and I want to be. I should be. But I should also love her more than myself. And I should be willing and wanting to sacrifice things for her. And Jesus asks this of Peter. Do you love me? Are we friends? Or do you you want to give me your life? Do you like hanging out once or twice or a week? Or do you want to live with me? I'm going to pause there. That's a hard one. Do you like hanging out once or twice a week? Or do you want to live with me? Because that's a different relationship. We often want to be friends with Jesus, that friend that has like the cool house and all the toys and everything that we go to once or twice a week. We get our fix and we leave, but Jesus wants the relationship that we live together. We live together. In Revelation chapter 2, it says, I know your works, your labor, your patience. And that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. And you have uh, persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. But nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Church, it can be so easy to try and even succeed in doing all the right things. I could tell you I could do all the right things. Before I I truly came to the Lord, that's what I I based everything on. Like, I I think I was a pretty good kid. My mom's smiling. And I've always had a desire for what is right. But that does not matter if it's not with the right heart. If I don't love God, then I can just do all the right things. And that that was the issue that Jesus had with the Pharisees. They could do all the right things and it wouldn't matter. So the question that I can't answer for you is, do you actually love God? Or do you have a list of things to do? Is he the first thing that you want? If he is, it should be evidenced in your life. Do we love God? When we do, there is fruit. There's evidence in our life. And one of the biggest evidences is the way we love people. 
And that's why Peter is told, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Tend my sheep. Because it goes hand in hand. When you love God, you have to love people. That might be a revelation for some people out there. Thank you for laughing. <laughs> As a Christian, filled with the grace, love, and good news of the gospel, if a person walked in right now, came up to you, you know nothing about them, but they desperately ask, do you love me? What do you or can you say in all truth? A random person walks up to you, do you love me? Or if a person, get this, that has caused you pain, or someone that you know pain and suffering, walks up to you, and God willing they're repentant, but for some reason they just needed to ask you, do you love me? What is your answer? How we love people shows the world how we love God. How we love each other in the church shows how we love God. And sometimes family is hard to love. Amen? I think I, I could have got some more amens out of that. I know the truth. It's going to set you free. Jesus was betrayed by his family and his friends. He was betrayed by each and every one of us at times. You know, he still chose to love us. Amen? Amen. John 13, 35 says, By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And this might just be the way I think, but I feel like when Jesus said that, in the back of his mind, he was thinking, if you can just get along, it will have to be God. And people will see that, and they will come to the Lord because they must know that God is moving. If you can just get along. And we see a, a hint of that in our passage when Jesus is telling Peter that he's, he's going to be painfully crucified. Peter would be crucified. And in that moment, Peter does this in verse 20 of our main passage in John. It says, Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following who also had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? And Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. In church, I, I love that, that John put in describing himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Like, I probably would try that. So we're just going to put that. Jesus really loved me. But that is probably how Peter was seeing it at this time. You tell me I'm going to die in this way. What about this guy? He should die in this way. <laughs> That's how we, we kind of immediately go, am I right? It's only fair. But it's often how we see others. If God loved me more, he'd give me this. Or he'd use me in that same way. Or that's not fair. And we start to compare. And church, comparison kills. Comparison kills every time. 
It will distort your love for God and your love for people. But Peter turns around and points at someone else and says, what about this guy? And I can picture myself doing that, but Jesus gets right to the heart of it and says, what is that to you? You follow me. You follow me. And it goes back to that main point, follow me, walk with me, abide in me. That's how you show me love. That's how they show me love, by following me. We each walk with the Lord to what we are called to do. Church, obedience is a yes and no question. It's not an essay proving a point. I'm going to say that again. Obedience is a yes or no question. It's not an essay proving a point. I can say that from my own experience because when the Lord calls me to do something hard, I could write an essay proving why I should not do that. You ever have those conversations with the Lord? Yeah, this, man, we need to pray some more truthful people. <laughs> but it's easy to get caught up in what we, what we want to have happen. But we that we need to just walk closer with the Lord. In our own eyes, uh, we think that John is more loved. Think back to this passage. Peter, you're going to get crucified. I'm just going to let John live. <laughs> In our own eyes, we think John must be more loved than Peter. That's not how God sees it. Whatever in your life or in your death will reach the most people and give God the most glory, that is what you should want. So in our passage, and this is hard to hear, if they took me out and crucified me tomorrow, if I knew that that was going to reach 10,000 people, or if I had the option of saying, I'm going to live the rest of my life until I'm 90-something years old, and I'm going to reach 1,000 people. What should I choose? I should choose what is going to give God the most glory. And I should remember that. So I don't have to argue with God as much. We can't waste time comparing our lives and our deaths even. Just like we can't waste time comparing everything around us. Our vehicles, houses, our looks, toys, jobs, whatever it is, you can always want more. But God, if you trust him, has what is best in mind for you. What is best? And you might not see that until you are with him in heaven. But do you trust him? We have to love the people around us. We have to love the people of the church. And we have to love the lost when we love people, we love God. Jesus came to what? He came to seek and save the lost. That is our mission. Whether we're called to, to uh, never leave this valley or we're called to go to every valley in the entire world and preach the gospel, that is our mission. And watch this. If we don't have a heart for the lost and each other, we don't have the heart of God. I'm preaching some, some real stuff this morning. And church, please know that I'm preaching things that I have to think through. 
things that I have to challenge myself? Am I loving the lost enough? I'll tell you right now, I can love the lost more. It's my heart, and I know our staff's heart, our church's heart. We need to love the lost more in this church. We need to, to outreach more, not just mission trips around the world. Those can be awesome. You know, we, we helped reach like 4,000 people in Pakistan. It's fantastic. It's amazing. But what are you doing in Wasilla? God called you here. He might use you in some other country, other place, but your first place is here. Would you give your life for Wasilla? Do you love Wasilla? You know, one thing that has always amazed me about my, my father, who if you don't know is a pastor here, every place he has ever been, he has weeped over the people. And that's something that I pray for. Lord, I want to weep over people. I want to love like that. I want to love like you love. Church, do you, will you, do you want to weep over Wasilla? Will you weep in prayer to see this place saved? I have no doubt this church has a long history of that. Going back to brother and sister Riley. I have no doubt because I even remember seeing Pastor Riley weep in prayer <laughs> almost every time I, I would see him pray I feel like if he prayed for Wasilla he meant it if our pastor prays for Wasilla he meant it I want to mean it and I want you to as well our love for God is evidenced in the fruit of our life what fruit Am I producing? What fruit are you producing as a church, as individuals? Are we seeing the lost saved, disciples made, and leaders raised? It's really catchy. I'm going to say it one more time. The lost saved, disciples made, and leaders raised. That is the heart of our church. That is the heart of our church. Let's take that to heart and see it happen because I believe that you are meant to do great things in the Lord. You are here for a purpose. You are here for a reason. You are here to accomplish things that the Lord has for you. Let's see that through together. Amen? We are called back to our first love, but this is evidenced by the way we love people. Our hearts become more like God's as we spend time with him. It gets back to that abiding in me. Follow me. And it's also evidenced by the way we see ourselves. I'm going to get into this a little bit. That God loves us more than we can love ourselves. Does anyone love their self? <laughs> Probably not a lot of hands going to go up and admit that. We love ourselves. That last dessert you ate probably says that you love yourself. <laughs> and I'm relating to you right there. Do we trust God to look out for us more than we look out for ourselves? That's a hard one. To truly love God, watch this, is to be content with who he made you to be. In your purpose, to share your life in the gospel 
and to want to spend as much time with God as you can. We hear in a lot our culture of self-love. You hear that a lot, am I right? It's a big thing. But church, the world has it very wrong. The world wants you to love yourself more than anything, that you are the center of the universe, and the most important thing. The problem with thinking that way is that everyone can't be the center of the universe. Like that, It just doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. So they're wrong. <laughs> God is the center of the universe. And we just read that the Lord is, the, is supposed to be our first love. He's supposed to be the, the center of our universe. To love him more than we love ourselves. He's the center of everything. So then where do we stand in this list? The world wants to put you at the top. The Bible wants to put God at the top. Then where do we belong? And you might say, is self-care not important, Pastor? That we need to take care of our minds, our bodies, our emotions, our spirits? Yes. Yes, you do. You know, I heard a staggering statistic uh, this last week. We, uh, we have someone that pours into some of our staff uh, once a month. And I was amazed to learn that as far as ministers go, and this is a reason that you need to pray for your pastors, your staff, everyone in ministry, that if you enter into ministry in your 20s, by the time you're in your 60s, there's a 90% chance that you're going to fail. 90%. You have to take care of yourself. In Mark 12, 31, we read, love your neighbor as yourself. We can often stop there making sure we're okay, we have enough, that we're healthy. But when we love God, we care for others. We want those same things for those around us. We care about the, the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being of everyone around us. Jesus knew what he was doing and saying when he said that scripture because we will never stop caring for ourselves. Love your neighbor as yourself. We will never stop caring about ourselves if we're in a healthy place. When you love God first, he will work on you if you let him. That's how it works. That's self-love. He'll work on you physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, because it's all important. It's your job to let him do the work. And he will challenge you to do that work. Letting him do it. He will lead you to do things with others, for others. It's trusting him that he will provide everything and provide everything that you need to work on. One of the most dangerous things in our culture, and I, I even hear Christians say this a lot, is to follow your heart. Church, that is, that is the worst advice that you will ever get. The worst it goes against the Bible, because the Bible says your heart's wicked. No offense, the Bible said it. But friend, you need to follow the Holy Spirit, not your heart. If you follow the Holy Spirit, the Spirit will guide you into everything that you need. And he'll probably guide you to being uh, used to provide for other people as well. The Holy Spirit will lead you where you need to be 
to what you need to do and to who you need to be. So how do you love yourself? To truly love yourself is to just love God more than yourself. And he will do the rest if you let him. You get close to God and he will work on you. That is self-work. That is self-love becoming who you're meant to be. And God will do the work. It's the example that Jesus set. It's the example that he gave to Peter. Church, we have to recognize that God created us. He has a purpose for us. He loves us. He loves you. If you don't get anything else today, he loves you. I'm preaching this message because he wants you to know that he he loves you enough to be with you of every moment. Some of us are ugly in some moments. I'm not talking about in the morning before we put our makeup on. I'm talking about our choices, our lives when when we do things that we shouldn't do. God will never leave you. He wants to walk with you. You have to recognize he created you for a reason. And church, you have to be content with who God created you to be. I'm going to say that again because it's so important and it's not preached enough. You have to be content with who God created you to be. That's not being content with who you are now. That's being content with God working on you as you become who you're meant to be. Amen? Amen. You guys feel free. It takes one breath to say amen. But it's a lifelong calling. It's a process that we get to walk with God. To not be okay with who... Uh, who God created you to be is to not fully receive the love of God. Let me unpack that for a moment. It's because you don't know who you are. How special God created you to be, the plans that he made for you. Our bodies are not perfect. Amen? And we need to work on them. Amen? All right? Some of your partners just heard that and they will hold you accountable. You amened. And some of our minds are not perfect. I know some of you guys are a little crazy. I will tell that to your face. I would testify of that. Some of us struggle with emotions. Emotions can be hard. But our spirits are eternal. In church, there's nothing wrong with you except your sin. There's nothing wrong with you except your sin. You already have everything you need to accomplish the plan God has for your life with his help. With his help. The Holy Spirit and the power of Christ, that is what you need. Some of us might not be the smartest. Doesn't matter. Some of us could not run a mile if our life depended on it. Doesn't matter. You might need to work on that because God cares about your physical ability. But you have everything that you need for life and for godliness. The love that we're called to is a supernatural love. It is only accomplished in the supernatural. We fail when we try to accomplish it in the natural. That goes back to that to-do list. I can do something. 
But I can only live my life for God if God is empowering me to do it. And that takes me walking with him every moment. Church, I can't love my, lot, my wife the way I need to without the Lord. I can't love my spouse. You can't do it without the Lord. And, and church, husband or wife out there, however good or bad you think you have it, you haven't seen anything until your spouse becomes on fire for the Lord. An on-fire spouse, parent, whatever it is, is going to love someone like no one else can because they're going to love like Jesus. If you want to love like that, or if you want your spouse to love like that, take them to places that they're going to be challenged to do so. Join a life group. Make sure they're in church. But bring them, bring them around people that are going to challenge them. Make sure that they have those people in their life that they can talk to and challenge. Are you loving like Christ? And if you don't do this, church, this is going to be hard to hear, then you can't complain that they're not loving like Christ. If you're not walking with Christ, you're not going to love like Christ. And so if we're not encouraging and bringing the people around us to a greater love and level in Christ, then we can't expect them to live like Christ. It has to be supernatural. And how many of you know that some of you can be hard to love? Amen. But if I want to love those who are difficult, if I want to love those who hurt me or could hurt me, if I don't want to shut everyone out, then it's going to take me walking with Jesus. In church, there, there is always the chance when you open up to somebody that you will be hurt. But think about this. I can say this from experience. That in my fear of being hurt, I'm putting someone else's opinion above the Lord's. If I walk with the Lord, if I'm close enough for him to be whispering in my ear, I not only love you, but you're not stupid. You're not a failure. You don't have to fear screwing up. And it doesn't matter what someone else will say. Because I've got Jesus. And I know who I am in Jesus. I know who I am to Jesus. And Jesus is all I need. We have to love supernaturally. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. Hallelujah. I'm going to finish on time. And as the worship team comes, I'm going to ask the prayer team to come as well. I'm going to ask you, though, everyone here to examine your own heart. Because I can't examine it for you. And you might say, I can do some of these things better. I know I can say that. But if you need to come back to the Lord as your first love, I'm going to ask you to, to make that choice. You can 
stand up, you can come forward, whatever you need to do, you might need to just rededicate your life in that. But I want you to come do it. Or if you're having trouble loving the people around you, the Lord knows we need help in that sometimes. I want you to make the decision to love those people and pray it through with someone. Or if you have not been happy with how God created you, you might not be happy with your body, your mind, where you live, the moment in your life. God doesn't want that for you. He wants to show you how much he loves you. And he wants to show you who you are meant to be and the plans that he has for you. So I want to ask you, if that's you, then come forward. Or if you just realize that you need to love more supernaturally, to love the people that might hurt you, people that have hurt you, to love the lost like you should, to love your spouse better, to love your kids better, to love your parents better, your family, your friends. If you could do better in that and you realize that it's a, a thing that's been missing in your life that you have not decided to change, then now is your moment. I don't want you to, to think about it for later this week. If the Lord is speaking to you right now, then let's react. Let's walk with the Holy Spirit. If you, if you hear his voice now, let's continue in that way. Let's take him everywhere we go and walk in a supernatural love. And it starts with a decision to change. As the, the team begins to play and sing, I'm just going to give us a few moments. If that's you, if you need to respond, there's prayer people in the front, there's prayer people around the back. Or if you just need to take some time with the Lord, let's take some time. Amen. Amen. Let's take some time. joining us today we look forward to connecting with you next time and don't forget you can support us by giving through the church center app or by going online at summitwc.com give